Leadership is taking people on a journey where there is a vision, guidance and purpose. Good leaders lead with the heart as well as the head. Leadership means doing the right thing for the right reason, no matter how difficult it might be. You're listening to Leadership Unwrapped, a podcast where you will hear from people who are living leadership every day. Hi, everyone. Super excited today. Our guest is Catherine McNamara. We're old friends and we've known each other a very long time. We've had a long professional journey together. So I'm super delighted that Catherine has said yes and that she'll talk to us because I think you're going to find what she has to say really interesting. Catherine works as deputy head teacher in Midlands Prison in Port Leash. She's been a keen advocate for the promotion of health in prisons, having researched and published in this field, and her work is definitely worth checking out. As well as holding an incredibly busy role, Catherine also teaches history and sociology, and she's deeply passionate about supporting her students' learning. She's a very proud Limerick woman, and us Kerry people will not hold that against her for our conversation today. (laughs) So you're super welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and... Here I am in this corner, uh, filled with, I'd say, healthy self-doubt. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> but um, yeah, sure. Look, it's, a, it's all part of the journey. So. Yes, so are we, if that's any consolation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. A cup of tea will solve everything. Let's just have our tea and chat. So thank you so much for, for, for being here. I, I'm going to start by just telling our listeners that I've, I've known you since about 2006. And we've worked together, we've researched together, we've thought together. And I have always been blown away by your integrity, uh, your deep belief in what you do, your huge support for your students and you're just your, your passionate advocacy for them always. I come away from every time I speak to you inspired. So I just want to start from that place and say how wonderful it is that our listeners are going to hear a little bit of that today. Thank you very much. Okay, so maybe start by telling us how you got into this role. How did you end up teaching um, in Port Leash? So I suppose the long and the short of it is that I applied for a job um, and I don't mean that in any sort of a flippant way. Um, I didn't realise when I applied for the job that the job was in the Midlands prison. And I think I remember reading the advertisement and it just said teacher of history and sociology for maternity leave. And while I knew it probably wasn't, um, you know, a secondary school, um, I knew it was probably some sort of alternative um, education environment. I did not realise that it was the prison. I actually didn't realise that it was a job in the prison I was going for until I was actually going for the job, um, going for the interview for the job, I should say. Um, yeah, and that was, the, I, I went for the interview um, full of, you know, hope and I'm just qualified and I'm going to change the world with my new methodologies. Um, and I was thankfully successful. So I started in 2004 um, yeah, and I haven't looked back. And I think the interesting thing is, is that when I started, I was, uh, you know, I was coming from maternity leave and these things you're kind of thinking, oh, short term, I'm not really going to embed myself or whatever. And actually from the time I started there, I absolutely loved everything about the job. I just thought of it as a job in education, teaching subjects that I love. Um, and then I suppose that maternity leave turned into probably another maternity leave and then turned into a contract and here I am 18 years later um, and I probably wouldn't change any of it. I don't ever see myself doing anything different um, or wanting to do anything different. Yeah, You started with a degree in UL in history and sociology? Yeah, so um, my degree in history and sociology, I, I absolutely love doing that degree. 
And thankfully we had very supportive parents as well who just were like, yeah, sure, just do something that you love doing. And I loved, I always loved history. I um, I taught history to myself for the Leaving Cert. Just totally yeah. nerd, nerd out on you here for a few minutes. But <laughs> <laughs> I taught history to myself for the Leaving Cert just because of the school I went to. There actually wasn't a history oh, class. Wow. Okay. Um, and I just loved it. Like, and I can't explain why. It's just, I just did. But when I got to UL um, and I took sociology, it was just something that I became so passionate about, right? And I had some great lectures. Some of them are still in UL. Some of them have, um, have passed on now. And, you know, I suppose just thinking back on those times and that sort of level of learning and how much it prepared me for the job that I do now. And I just think in everything that I've done, having that background in sociology has really been of benefit to me. Hmm. And then you went on and did a HDIP. What was that like? So, yeah, I suppose you get to sort of fourth year and you're there going, God, what am I going to be? Because I think we're all expected to be something or to choose, you know? And then I thought, okay, while my parents are have always been extremely supportive of all of my endeavours, I probably wanted to be something so that they'd um, <laughs> calm down a little bit as well. <laughs> <laughs> and um, back then, you know, it was it was really competitive, actually, the application process for the HDIP. It was actually quite difficult to get into. And um, myself and a friend of mine, actually, um, from my degree course in UL, we both we both applied. We were both successful, so off I went. Um, and yeah, I suppose I had thought about it. I thought that it was something I would love to do because I actually like loved history so much and loved sociology. Um, and I suppose I didn't want to let that um, I didn't want to let that be known you know I was just like sure I'll, I'll just do this year and we'll see how it goes and actually when I did the HDIP I hated every minute of it um, <laughs> wow. which that's not to say that I don't love what I I love what I do and there was aspects of it that I did like I liked I liked do you know what? actually looking back now the most important thing that I learned from doing the HDIP was about professionalism and the professionalism that's attached to the job of teaching okay. um, and it's how I try to lead now as well we might get back to that later but um yeah I really didn't like I didn't like the structure of the HDIP I didn't like being in big lecture halls with hundreds of people in them is not for me it's not how I like to learn mm. um I suppose there I was and uh, again my long-suffering parents had you know paid, <laughs> paid the fees they were paying for me to stay to stay away from home and that kind of thing and here I was going oh god <laughs> what am I going to be now because I just, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I didn't enjoy it as a year and I felt it was really something that I had to get through mm-hmm. to get on to the next phase. And I suppose uh, when I finished HDIP, I, again, like everyone does, I was just looking for jobs and I stumbled across the history and the sociology teaching job. And I said, you know what, Catherine, if you get to teach sociology, just what a privilege. Yeah. And, you know, you'll get to do something that you genuinely love hopefully. And I suppose I'm lucky enough that that's the way that it's turned out. Yeah. But you took to teaching like a doctor water then once you started. So so the HDIP had one type of experience mm-hmm. that was about the learning, mm-hmm. but the teaching was something different for you. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And I think it's very difficult um, to actually fully prepare anybody for that. And I think definitely with, you know, um, newly qualified teachers or whatever, there is no amount of classroom teaching or lecturing or whatever that can actually fully prepare them for for the responsibility of being in the classroom on your own because it is a huge responsibility I mean I I teach adults 
and I always have. Um, but I think from junior infants right up to um, whatever age, whatever age uh, adult or whatever that you're teaching, um, the responsibility of being the teacher is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And did you find that daunting then as a newly qualified teacher coming in and teaching people that I, I assume would be older than you for the most part? Yes, I did. They were either, Some of them were similar age to me. Some of them were a good bit older. And here I was from my very nicely comfortable middle classish upbringing where I had, you know, the opportunity of, of um, good schools and the opportunity of third level education, lovely supportive parents and family and just sort of, you know, going into the prison setting, which is essentially the opposite. Um, of that and many of the, the people that I meet um, every day have experienced marginalization and mm-hmm. social exclusion and their path in education hasn't been straightforward and they haven't had the positive experiences that I've had with education so I think that that was always really evident to me from day one and I think when I talk about the responsibility of teaching no matter what age I think there's a greater responsibility attached to people who have had such negative experiences with education in the past and I really feel that in my core you know um that it's one of those it's the kind of job where like they deserve the people that I teach deserve the best of me and they deserve the highest standard of education that I can give them because I don't know, I've been thinking about it, I've had many years to think about it. I do think that maybe for the first time in many people's lives, um, education in prison is provides people with a level playing field. Mm. It might be their first experience of equality in the education system. And yeah. I think then again, when I talk about the responsibility of teaching, that's really what I'm talking about. So you can have people that had just real negative experiences did Mm -hmm. not enjoy school for for any number of reasons Mm -hmm. and you find them in your classroom and basically Mm -hmm. all I wanted to do and all I still want to do is make the experience a positive one for them meet them at the level of engagement that they're at and um, yeah see if we can't help something to grow yeah you always speak about in your role, needing to have a natural curiosity about people and needing to like people. You've always said that's a very important part of being an educator in the prison setting. Do you want to chat to that a bit? Yeah, so I suppose it goes back to maybe, uh, well, I attribute it to my um, background in sociology, really, about, about having that curiosity about people, about groups, about how society works, about how, how we all sort of are here, but we're all muddling along together and we're all sort of in our own little world, but actually we're in the world together. And mm-hmm. um, if that makes yeah, no, it does. confused sense. Um, and I really think, I, I, feel, I feel this for teaching in a general way as well, that you have to have, you have to like people, right? Like I think it's going to be a struggle for you if you don't like people, if you don't like being in that arena. So I think wanting to know what makes what makes people tick um, and wanting to be involved at that level um, because I think sometimes you know in the classroom and we're you know we're very busy we're working towards a goal or whatever any kind of conversations can actually emerge you know yeah um, and I think it's to to sort of want to get to know people want to know um, what makes them tick because mm. I think ultimately that feeds into how people learn as well um, I think sometimes our ideas around how people learn and the structure of our education system it's very prescriptive and I think it's really important to make space for um, 
yeah, different styles of learning. But in order to tap into that, I think you have to want to know people. Yeah, one of the things that's always struck me over my my career of teaching is when I've worked with not a lot, not a lot of teachers like this, but but some every now and again who really don't like kids or don't like yeah. teaching that much. And I've always felt that for the children in those classrooms, there's something really wrong in that atmosphere because you pick it up. It's, you know, you just, it just goes into your, into your skin. It just, you just absorb it when you know when somebody isn't really Mm. present with you or doesn't really like what they're doing. And um, I, I just can't bend my head around why people do that work when they don't feel connected to it. And it's the wrong place to be for me, I, I would think. So uh, yeah. I agree. I agree with you completely. I think um, probably one of the most important parts of our job is that connection. Right. And, you know, having, again, sort of wa- wanting to be around people, you know, and sometimes, right, you're tired, you've got stuff going on or whatever, like, oh, my God, I cannot have it. I literally cannot have another conversation. But actually to, I suppose, give off yourself, right, to give your time to give your empathy and to give your kindness. I think that's mm. sort of our superpower as teachers, really, you know, and just to be able to to be able to do mm. that. I think that's so important. I think as well, before I met you, you know, you, you could have the assumption that, that, you know, do your students want to learn? But you have never, never doubted for a second that your students want to learn. Mm. And you seem to be very met with enthusiastic people who who want to volunteer, who want to do things, who want to, to, to broaden their horizons. Mm. Did that surprise you? No, it didn't surprise me. And again, I suppose when I, when I, my first day, I remember my first day really clearly. I, could, I remember what I was wearing, like, and, <laughs> and probably put a lot of thought into that. But um, no, I was, I was struck by how vibrant the school was. Right. And I suppose there's part of me that didn't really know what to expect. And I think that now I'm very conscious with, with new teachers um, as well of just sort of, how do you how do you explain this to them right because it's probably different than the idea that people have in their heads and I suppose I think as well in a general way there may be people listening to this and to speak about education and the positivity of education in prisons can be quite jarring for people right because I think um without any form of judgment if your attitude to crime and punishment is sort of lock them up and throw away the key and just hope for the best like you're you're probably not going to be in tune with what I have to say about it and that's fine but I suppose, um, again, I will go back to what I, what I said previously. I think when you, in, in, in whatever setting, when you teach people that have um, experienced marginalization and social exclusion, again, you have to be on top of your game and they yeah. deserve the best, right? And I think the reason that they deserve um, the, the highest standard of education that you can afford them is because generally in their lives, they haven't had the opportunity to sort of, I suppose, increase their social capital mm. or um, their human capital or whatever. They haven't had people to advocate for them. They haven't had the connection that we know as teachers is so mm-hmm. important. They've never been able to um, have the experience of some of, of somebody displaying empathy towards them. Um, and any of those things, like even a trust, the trusting kind of rapport that you can develop in the classroom. And I think that that's why it's so important. Mm. So their interest in education is not surprising to me you know um probably if anything does surprise me it's how much they want to take it all in mm. right and it's it's like even not to put limits on them because there, there really doesn't have to be limits with education but um 
I think it's more to slow the pace down. You yeah. don't have to do it all now. Um, and I think that's probably that's that's probably the surprising thing about the mm. job is how much mm. that they would actually want to do and how much you can do with them. We had a conversation with um, Nicky Blum a few weeks ago. He was talking about empathy and it's resonating really well with what you were saying. And he talked about empathy not only being about the heart, that connection, but also that intellectual piece, that curiosity about the other and learning about the other. Mm-hmm. And he, he bound them together in a way that I hadn't heard somebody talk about before. And you're kind of saying the same thing, which I find really interesting. Yeah. And I think it's important for us as teachers to actually be able to tap into that. Like it's okay to really love your job mm-hmm. and it's okay to want to do your job with a whole lot of yourself. Right. Um, and I mean, it's also okay if, that, if, that, if that's not what you want to do, yeah. that's fine. But for me, I know that I would struggle greatly if I had to be anybody other than myself. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's important, I suppose, you know, I've, I've probably heard previous contributors to, uh, to your podcast say, think, you know, say like, um, you know, you can only be yourself and all of this, but I think to be yourself, you have to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's like a piece around that deep reflective work that you need to do as well, just to really get at what are my core values? What yeah. do I value? What do I want to impart in the classroom? And what kind of a space do I want this to be other than a learning environment? I think it's more important now more than ever with just all the societal change that's happening around us, even how ideologies are changing, to have that sense of what our own values are, that they're your anchor. They, you make your decisions from those. Yet we gloss over that a bit too much, too quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I think as well when like we talk about knowing each other and having that space for reflection, I think it's important to note as well that it's okay that that's not something you can just do once and you have all the answers. Do you know, like depending on the experiences that you have in life, the the jobs that you work as, all those different things are going to impact that. And I think it's also okay to acknowledge that, right, I, I have spent some time actively reflecting on who I am and the values I bring to the classroom, but it's okay if that changes mm-hmm. next year or even next month, mm-hmm. as long as you continue to bring your full self with you as as you've said there yeah I definitely agree and I think as well maybe that it's something definitely in my experience of the HDIP which was many years ago and I know that things have changed now there was never an emphasis on like knowing who you are and oh, knowing okay. the kind of teacher that you want yeah. to be there was, ne- there was never that emphasis there yeah um so I suppose most of that work has come for me through just like postgraduate studies and other things that I've done since you know um, and I suppose that's what I, I suppose I really when I'm really, when I'm thinking about education, I'm thinking always about um, what am I bringing to the table here, you know, and am I staying true to myself and mm-hmm. true to my own values? So can we move on to um, health promotion? Because yeah. you're you're you love it. I, I just <laughs> need to start by saying that. Which and um, I think health in prisons can be very contested. It can be a bit of a flashpoint for some of the reasons you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Some people would have a view we shouldn't be investing in that, that, you know, it's an incarceration piece. Others would have the view similar to your own that, that there haven't always been the same opportunity mm-hmm. for health and for health gain mm-hmm. from people that actually are now in prison. So you And you've been very strong in your writing about making that case and using that voice. What drives you to be interested in this piece for your work? So when I found health promotion, um, it was when we met Patricia, um, and you, you might have had a small part to play in it, but um, so it was back in 2006. And 
Uh, I suppose the first thing I want to say is it had been a time of huge personal sort of turmoil for me and just um, experiencing just a, a very um, devastating loss. Um, and I, I do what I always do, which is I turn to education because I, I just think it helps you to, I suppose, focus your attentions on other things. So, um, yeah, when I started learning, or when I started on the grad dip in health promotion in UL in 2006, as I've said, and like immediately I loved it. I think it's the sociology background mm. as well. I think you have to bring all of your curiosity and your wanting to know about people and about life and about structures and how things work. Um, and how things change and how change is the process. And I just, I just love the whole, I just love the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and I suppose then um, I distinctly remember the day when I figured out that I was really passionate about health in prisons. Um, and yeah, and I so that's probably like, you know, sometime in 2007. And I've taken it from there. And I think that um, health and education are inextricably linked, actually. And everything that I've spoken about in relation to education can be applied to health in prisons as mm. well um, because you bring your values you bring your whole self to it and you really are interested in fostering some kind of change be that small scale um, or, or you know on a, on a bigger scale as well um, if, if the possibilities are there I suppose the way I look at it is and you're right I do love health promotion I love everything about it um, and I've never compartmentalised like as a teacher or as or as somebody that's interested in health promotion like now is our health promotion hour mm-hmm. this is the time when we talk about health right so from the time that I discovered health promotion and health education I've kind of woven that into um who I am as a teacher and who I am as in the classroom I refer to history and sociology always as the talky subjects so mm-hmm. I mean when you're talking about life and you're talking about people and you're talking about society issues are going to emerge and I suppose what health promotion has given me is the grounding and being able to, I suppose, trust myself to discuss those issues, mm. right? And know that I don't have all the answers, but I can at least start the conversation. Um, so I suppose, like, inspired by nearly that model around brief interventions or whatever, you know, which is used around mm. cessation and things like that. When I see or if I've ever encountered an opportunity in the classroom where I can have a conversation that might be around health there might be around somebody contemplating making some kind of change how can I encourage that and how can I still you know get the work done in school but also be there to sort of support in another way there is a pastoral element to our job definitely Mm -hmm. um and I would never be uh the kind of girl that would shy away from a a good healthy conversation about Mm -hmm. health or health promotion you know um and I suppose that's who I am as a teacher, right? That's who I am actually as a person, you know, we can, we should have, we should have these conversations. Education is transformative and part of that transformation is transforming your whole being, you know, and that can, I suppose, be your, your physical health, your emotional health, anything like that. Um, and I suppose that led me then into the research work. Yeah. Um, and again, like, you know, prisons are, not easy places to conduct research at times. There's mm. certain, you know, organizational barriers that, you, that I encountered. Um, but on the whole, a very positive experience. I had a, you know, uh, just the, the, the depth and the quality of of the information from research respondents. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was doing my research with staff members. Um, and I suppose that was, that was sort of just indicative of the good work that's going on in there, you know, um, and how willing people are to, to sort of see things change and change for the better, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as well that, um, you know, sometimes 
working in prisons, right, is considered low visibility work. And actually, when I came to that phrase, I was kind of struck by it, right, because I think there's something really sad about it, you know. Um, the idea of the work that you do, that you do with your whole heart, that you commit to every single day, um, the career that you've mm. chosen, be it a prison educator or a prison officer or whatever it might be, but that's the kind of job that really you can't talk about and that maybe people don't want to talk about, you know, for, for obvious reasons and for, for reasons that I've alluded to already. Um, and actually how I came to push words around that concept, right, like I've always thought it, you know, and I just never had the words for it, but I actually... Um, I was doing a piece of research a few years ago. I was just writing about, I think, leadership and reflection and vicarious trauma and sort of just things like that that I've, you know, that kind of I was, I was on that buzz at the time. Um, and I read a piece of uh, research that a former prison governor had done that he was kind enough to share with me. Yeah, okay. Um, and he described it as that sort of, uh, as low visibility work. And then when I read that, I was like, yeah, that's actually what I've been wanting to say. And I think maybe there's a huge amount of positive, good work happening in prisons all over the country mm. every day. Um, but I suppose it's hard to get the positive out there. Um, and I think as well, part of that low visibility work then for yourself working in the environment, you have to be really conscious then of the emotion work that comes with it as well. I think it's really important in leadership. I think it's important as a teacher to just understand sort of that schools are emotional places prisons are highly emotional places and I think to be yourself though um, there's that sort of nearly emotional dissonance pieces that you have to be aware of Um, so I suppose what's expected of you and who you are um, let's say by the organisation right and how you should behave um, versus sort of who you actually are and there's maybe a little bit of a disconnect between the two at times so I think once just, just to be aware of um, yeah, the emotions that exist in it is it is an yeah. emotional job. You yeah. know, I think the hardest part of the job for me is the emotion work that I have to do around it. You know, um, and being aware of that as well, it challenges you. Um, definitely in the past, it's it's really challenged my resilience. You know, I spoke about my parents and just the massive support that they have been to me um, my entire life. Uh, my dad is is now deceased, but I know that. Um, like yeah, I had his I had his one hundred percent support all of the time, but again, you kind of I was able to. They were great mentors. My parents were really, you know, and I was able to model resilience, I suppose, from them, you know, because they were two really resilient people. But just some challenges that they had down through the years. I could, I think there was a time when I suppose I wasn't reflecting maybe on myself. I was just in there doing the teaching, you know, and. Um, I wasn't reflecting, I wasn't thinking about it, but I could feel my resilience resources kind of dropping, you know. And that's when I really started to have a conversation with myself about how I was feeling um, and was it the job or was it other issues that were going on or mm. whatever. And I think the challenge then with around, around your own resilience and realising that maybe you're not as resilient as you were is, is really like changing but staying the same, I suppose, is the yeah. idea of it, isn't it? That you know that you have to make small changes to make things more manageable for yourself but also at your heart you want to be that same person that you always were um so I think yeah I think you know if they're I suppose prisons are can be can be quite difficult environments you know Mm. um but I think again it's okay to actually be yourself and I think Mm. be there with your whole heart and your whole self I think that's the important thing I guess all that takes time too though doesn't it because when you are newly qualified whatever job it is you're starting a new job and you have all of these 
challenges coming at you for just trying to find your feet and figure out a routine it's easy to kind of put all your time into that and then I suppose it does take time for you to say hang on a minute is is everything aligning here am I who I want to be within this role but I think it's understandable too that that's that doesn't always happen straight away Oh no, I totally agree and definitely I, I'm sure there might be people that will listen to this and think that I have time for nothing else because I'm so busy thinking about myself. And- <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt that. But, um, no, I think I, I completely agree with you um, and I think, yeah, when you're newly qualified it's all, oh, I have to go in and I have to make an impression and I need to be on all these, you know, committees and I need to be involved in this and I need to be involved in that and, you know, I want to be the doer because, you know, ultimately I love this job but I also want a contract. Mm-hmm. Um and I think, um, you know, there's, there's that kind of, there's that kind of element of the job, but I think, um, I think all teaching is hard. I think teaching I nowadays is really hard. I agree. I think to acknowledge that the, the COVID-19 pandemic has changed the landscape of education in Ireland Absolutely. utterly. I think it's really important to acknowledge that. So I think in terms of, you know, um, reflecting and looking at oneself and trying to figure out who you are, um, and how you teach, within that um, I think it's really important but I also think it's okay to take the breaks off and actually give yourself a little bit of um, give yourself a little bit of a break and not be so hard on yourself yeah. you know yeah. um, there's probably a time and a place for everything I'm, I'm lucky that with the postgraduate work that I've done with the research work that I've done with the mentors that I've had um, in my personal and professional life I'm lucky that I've actually been afforded the space to be able to do that properly and to understand the benefit of mm. it because I think it has actually improved who I am as a teacher yeah and having that skill of reflection is a skill in itself isn't it I think it's one of those things that it can be developed and then it's as you say there can be kind of times and places along the way then that you can draw on that yeah. but that's I suppose the biggest thing is carving that space out for yourself and learning how to to kind of do it properly I suppose exactly and I think um you know I spoke about professionalism before and sort of it was probably the biggest learning I I, I gained um, from the HDIP but I think to be able to what what reflection and what being able to look at yourself your role your decisions what that actually does for you is it kind of provides you with a professional self-understanding right but also kind of a personal self-trust yeah I think as well and for me, when you get to the point where, as you're saying, um, Eva, like it is, it is really a skill. Um, but when you get to the point where you're able to sort of reflect as you go along, so while you're in it, mm-hmm. you're reflecting. I think when you get to that point, that to me, sort of like the epitome of professionalism, really, that your decisions are aligning with your yeah, values and you're confident yeah. around those as well. Um, and I suppose, uh, like, definitely in, in my teaching work in, in the prisons, and as you know, I've done a small bit of teaching at Perry level as well, um, I would always use reflection mm. as an assessment mechanism, right? Because I think we very often don't don't know how to do it because we don't give ourselves the time to stop and do it and to really, like, get in touch with ourselves and our feelings and our values and mm. all that good core work that we need to do. Um and I don't think it's a skill that you can necessarily teach people. I definitely think that you could encourage it yeah. mm-hmm. and maybe model it and demonstrate it. Um, but I think it's so necessary for all teachers nowadays. And I think one of the pieces around reflection is that um, people often dismiss it as, oh, you just, you know, you reflect, you think about what happened and you say, OK, I'll do that differently the next time and you move on. But meaningful reflection where you're actually saying, am I keeping with my values here is this integrity when I made that decision should I have made that decision 
And if the answer is no, having the courage to go back and say, actually, we need to go back and revisit that one because on reflection, mm. I think, you know, um, that's what it really means to me. It's not just simply I just think about what I did and I, I lightly think, oh, I can do that better and I move on. But it actually, I connect it with, okay, these are the pieces that drive my decision making. This is how I want to be in the world. These are my values. Was that in keeping with that? Yeah. And, and the reality is we're human beings. It's not always. So we have to be open to the good as well as the areas of improvement. We won't call them bad things, but we'll say areas yeah, of improvement. Exactly. When we get it wrong, we get it wrong as much as we get it right. We're human beings, I think. Yeah. That's the piece to think about. I think it, it just really requires honesty as well, doesn't mm. it? Because if you are asked to reflect for the purpose of you know, an assignment or something like that, or even if you're trying to build that practice within your daily or weekly practice of teaching, I think it can be easy to be, to just pinpoint something that, you know, you kind of notice straight away and say, yeah, maybe I'll do that differently next time. But it is, it's about really being honest with yourself about your values and the needs of those yeah. within your classroom and then evaluating and being able to say to yourself, yeah, I did do something wrong there and I do need to rectify it for the next time. So I think that's what's really important about it. Or even just being able to read in a student's eyes. You know, you can read when you're talking to somebody, when you say something and it jars. Mm -hmm. um, and just to be able to be confident enough to just go in and figure out why it's jarring, being able to... S so that's the reflection in action piece that, that mm -hmm. you've talked about, that you just become aware of it and you say, OK, I need to I need to look at that. I need to think about that because I have a worry that we have almost like, you know, McDonald's reflection in initial teacher education. It's like everything is reflection. You reflect on every lesson plan, you reflect on every class you teach, you reflect, reflect, reflect. And uh, I think it's putting people off. So there's a piece where we need to reclaim that more meaningful. Yeah peace because it's it's what sustains us in our work and stops us getting burnt out and, and I, I agree I, on that. it's just my thing I know I agree with you and I think that the first time I would ever have been really encouraged and pushed to reflect was doing the, the graduate diploma in health and health uh, promotion and you were always such a keen advocate of it and there were days there was a small group of us but it was such mm. a lot it was such a lovely group it was, such it, was a lovely good. Group. it was such a positive experience from start to finish but there was days that were difficult because you really had to like go into the yeah. inner workings of yourself and like pull it out and be able to even verbalize that yeah. you know so it's not an easy thing to do and I, I do agree that like putting a little label and go okay like it, no more so than now is the time for the health now is the time for the reflection yeah. Yeah. No, no. like it, it doesn't work but I think what we could possibly encourage in teacher education would be just an openness to exploration of yeah. it. I think that that's yeah. that's probably I, I think my my thinking on it anyway, you know, that just just be open to it because like me, you could find out that like it's the thing that you want to do because you want to get in touch with your yourself. And I mean I have to say, like I'm not not an accidental leader, right? Like I don't I don't perceive that I am. I didn't fall into this job by accident. I, I actively wanted, I worked really hard to get it. I filled out the application form. Yeah. For the, <laughs> I filled out many application forms. But actually, when you're filling out those forms and they are lengthy, you have to kind of really tap into what is important to you about education. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and I suppose having the ability then to be able to reflect on oneself was probably crucial uh, for me to be able to, to make the step into, into a leadership role in the school. When you talk about not being an accidental leader, like we choose this, it's sometimes we, 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 we want it, but we, we don't always think about the implications of, of wanting it and we're in it and then we think, okay, I've got it now, what do I do with this? So, but you often talk about coming at it then with a whole person, with a whole heart um, and being really present. And do you want to say a little bit about that? Because you've talked a good bit about that in the past. Yeah, I mean, as I've said, right, I, I wanted the job. I worked really hard for it. And like anybody else, um, you know, I've had disappointments. I've had things that haven't quite worked out for me. And you kind of have to pick yourself up a little bit because that really gets at your your nearly shame or your self-blame sort of inner you're terrible at everything kind of you know self-talk that we all probably engage in from time Mm. to time um and I suppose this time uh yeah I worked really hard I really wanted I really wanted the role I felt I was ready I felt I was ready for it I had I had uh, spent many years um with an AP2 post or whatever so I suppose I had been in in and around sort of you know the leadership workings of the school or whatever so I really I really focused a lot of my attention on, on getting it and like when I got it then that was you know that was great and I suppose I had done that you know from my background in sociology I, I sort of knew about the anticipatory socialization piece of it of like who will I be when I get this mm. job you know and actually probably as in most cases and like you've alluded to Patricia it turns out to be sort of vastly different to, to what you might have perceived and all of these little things that I had in my head that I was going to do and I was going to implement like I've probably done about two percent of them by now um but that's okay right because it's all part of the journey mm-hmm. and I suppose as well there's sort of a slight um luxury for me being the deputy head because I have um a very strong head teacher to support me that I can fall back on mm-hmm. there's a, a three-person kind of senior leadership team in our school and they are vastly more experienced than me and I enjoy that right so I can have my little as I refer to it, like my adventure and self-growth here you know because <laughs> um I know that if it, like at the moment the book does not stop with me you know so um it's kind of great to have that support and to have that sort of mentoring relationship with them as well but yeah I think wanting it and getting it yeah. are two very different things right but also approaching it with being yourself and really having that deep understanding that yourself is good enough mm-hmm. you know knowing yourself, being able to be yourself, but also being able to tap into the values. I could not be in that setting and be anybody other than myself. It would be too hard for me. So everybody that knows me knows I'm a real heart on my sleeve kind of a a girl anyway, you know, and uh, if anything good can come from the pandemic, it's the wearing of face masks for me. (laughs) (laughs) You can only see my eyes, like kind of hides, it kind of hides a multitude because everything is always written on my face. Generally, it's probably a... I've been told it's one of my worst flaws. Um, but I don't think it has a flaw. No, I think, I think it's probably fine. it's one of the things that makes people feel safe too because you you know where you stand with somebody and I think there's something really important in that. Yeah, I mean, t- to me, right, my view on prison education is it's, it's transformative, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'll hang my hat on that one. That's fine, right? Um, and the, how I go about doing it, it's fine. It's the same as being in every other school, right? But to know myself, the one thing that is so important to me is integrity. Mm. And I suppose integrity, saying it is one thing, but actually being able to, to, to do it and to, to, to teach that way and be able to lead that way as well, I think is really important. 
I think in your core doing the right thing when mm. nobody is looking and it goes back to the low visibility piece of the work yeah. as well nobody is looking nobody wants to look maybe at times either but knowing that you're really striving to do what is right when literally nobody out there really cares whether you whether you do the right thing or not um and that might sound quite it might sound negative and i don't mean it to be negative but like prison education is extremely important there's you know over 250 extremely dedicated prison educators in this country but we do work in a space where i, I think we're probably marginalized ourselves in terms of mainstream yeah. education right and and that integrity piece then is so important to me mm. i think it's so important to model that for our students as well and that when people are talking to you or asking you for something or whatever that they know that you are you are going to actually do the right thing mm. um, and I think then when you get to that point where you're again I probably said it previously but when your decisions align with your values like that's that's professionalism to yeah. you know yeah so if I were to ask you and I, I mean this is a curveball question but <laughs> but um so now working in this setting and knowing that some of your students you know their access to education prior to this wasn't optimal or maybe their experiences in education weren't optimal either and that's the reality what would you say to teachers is there any 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 one gem or pearl of wisdom that you think you could say now that you are in a different setting in education but doing the same work what would you say that is a curveball I know sorry I just it just hit me but I just thought oh my god it's just a great opportunity yeah okay so I suppose there's a couple of things I would say in in the first instance I would say be open to it Mm -hmm. right um and I think the second thing I would say is is that just and it's like goes back to the old the old saying like never judge a book by its cover yeah right because you know, we, we do this, we are naturally judgmental, like we're we're, mm-hmm. pe- we're people in the in the world, like that's what happens. We have all of our, our norms and our values and our, our little intricacies or whatever. Um but I think it's important to meet people where they're at yeah. and accept them for who they are. Um and I think for me the crucial thing is in in prison education, um, but probably in education in general, is to just yeah, stay open to people. Right? Yeah. And to and to probably give off yourself because when you give off yourself you get copious amounts in return. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's um I think that's a fantastic insight and maybe a good place to, to stop our chat. I just want to again say, and I think all our listeners are going to hear this from you, it's your passion, your belief, your value system, you how you are in the world. It's just such a privilege to know you. And I think the prison education system is very blessed to have you in their ranks. So I look forward to chatting to you again soon. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Neil.